from the New York City area, welcome to the Badass Counseling Show, where the master badass himself, Sven Erlinson, takes you deep and gives balm for the soul, baby. Hello, you fine-looking people. It is great to have you here today with the Badass Counseling Show podcast. I am your host, Sven Erlinson. I am joined in studio by my willing, able, and superior human beings, Rob the Rocket. Rob, what's the good word today? Willing and able. I'll leave it at that. Fair, fair. And we have a special treat. KC has deigned to come down from her perch up in the booth and join us. How are you this evening, KC? Chirp, chirp. What's chirp, chirp? You said came down from my perch. Ah, very good. Yes. (laughs) Chirp, chirp. Well played. Well, we welcome everyone from Los Angeles to New Zealand, from Perth to Toronto and Johannesburg to Copenhagen. It's so nice to have you with us. We've got a very interesting story tonight, a a great guest. But before we get started with Walker, um, Casey is going to share with us a particular email that we got in our email inbox. The producers got an email inbox um, from a particular listener. It's crazy and uh it's it's a small thing but we think you'll enjoy it and the listener said good afternoon i'm writing about my question that was answered on your lightning round podcast in march my question how do i stop feeling like i'm in competition with my ex on who can find love first i was on tiktok and you took my question thank you first of all for taking my question But the real reason I'm writing is because in your response, you started giving an example of what my next relationship would be like if I was in this competition. In that example, you said, let's say his name is Paul. Well, his name actually is Paul. I was unhappily married when Paul bought a house across the street from us and remodeled it and moved in. We started getting friendly One thing led to another, and I got a divorce and moved out, and we had a love affair situation for three years. When you used his name as the example, I about passed out. We are no longer together because when he was seeing me, he was seeing another woman and ultimately chose her, a safe choice. I just wanted to share this with you, that you have an incredible ability to help people and to guess people's names, I guess. Not sure how you did that. Thank you so much, Tina. (laughs) When the producers drew my attention to that letter, I think we all sort of laid an egg over that one. That was something else. Sven is psychic. Yes, yes. I doubt all that. Rob, thoughts on that one? Nothing surprises me anymore with you, Sven. Well, Rob, you're always, you both are always with me in studio. What is the go-to name for a male and for a female that anytime I'm telling a story, what do I usually use every single time? You use Steve and Susie. Steve and Susie. Steve and Susie. Definitely not Paul. Exactly. And one time, it was, we taped this one about a month and a half ago and just out of the blue, Steve didn't come to me and Tom didn't come to me. Tom's the name of one of my dogs. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, Paul popped into my head. So we were tripping pretty hard when we got that letter. All right. So I thought you guys would enjoy that. Thanks so much for listening to that. Rob, get us started. Tell us about Walker, our guest, please. I would be very happy to, Sven. Walker wrote to us and said, what the fuck did I do to myself while accepting a long-distance relationship with lies, devaluation, hiding her past and present, and always keeping me at bay emotionally? Keeping her word wasn't high on the priority list, and clearly, neither was I. Broken promises and not supporting me when I needed it broke me. What the fuck was I thinking while falling head over heels and now falling into recovery from a toxic trauma-bonded relationship? My wants and needs were not respected throughout our time together. Why am I still hung up after five months? My body and mind are screaming for relief and answers aren't coming fast enough. Welcome, Walker. How are you this evening? I'm well. How is everybody? Doing all right. Doing all right. Thank you so much. Well, I appreciate your sharing your story with us. And let's go ahead and dive right in. You ended by saying uh, that your wants and needs were not respected uh, throughout our time and you're wanting relief. What are you wanting relief from 
above all else, in one sentence or less, drill it down. What are you most wanting relief from? It's a good question. I would say wanting relief from the chaotic brain thoughts of bouncing between what was real and what was not real. Mm. Tell me the single biggest thing that you bounce between in terms of what was real and what wasn't real. Was it her love for you or was it, you know, was I really a bad partner? What is the single biggest thing that you're questioning whether or not you were good or excuse me, whether or not it was real or not real? The deceptions, the hiding information, um, trying to figure out all the pieces that you cannot confirm and how I reacted to those particular pieces. And obviously, as you give more, you get less, I guess. Well, not necessarily, but in your case, it sounds like it did happen that way. And so what is it about the deceptions and the hiding of information and so forth that you question whether it was real or not real? I don't want to get into the whole story, but... And I'm not asking for specifics per se. I'm just right. saying that if there were deceptions and she was hiding information, what is it about it that you don't believe was real or that you question whether or not it was real? Bottom line is I'm a truth seeker. Mm -hmm. I believe in the truth. Mm -hmm. Let's speak factual. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's a fact, it's a fact. If it's not a fact, it's just not a fact. Um, and I, I, I hate to sound so black and white about truth, but that's just who I am and what I am. So okay. when the deceptions or the, I guess, lies you would call them, when they came around, I pick up on those pretty quick. Mm -hmm. And then obviously I would do some research and research would lead me to see that <laughs> what was said was not factual. And you're still, you're wanting the biggest relief from chaotic brain thoughts over what was real versus what was not real. And so the question I'm asking is, what is it today? What is the biggest thing today that is causing the chaotic brain thoughts? What is the single biggest thing you're questioning the reality of or the unreality of? Um, and then it, it the, the reality of pretty much the entire relationship. Mm-hmm. And, and what's the biggest thing in the entire relationship? What is the biggest thing that you're questioning the reality of? What is it that really grips at your heart or grips at your soul or grips at your brain? What is the biggest reality you're questioning? Is it, did she really love me? Was it all just a, a sham? What specifically is the biggest thing? I, I guess it would, you know, if, if I were to boil it down, I would say, you know, was it, was it you were in love or was it just a, I guess, a, a, a time holder, a space holder? Was I just holding space for you or was I an es escape from your particular life that, that, you know, she was dealing with? So, so when you say, was it you were in love or was I a space holder? You mean you as in her. So yes, you were, so were you in love with me or was I just a space holder? Um, is it safe to assume that you were in love with her? Oh, for sure. Okay. 100%. Okay. I cherished and adored this person. Absolutely. And so, and during, while the relationship was going on and it lasted how long? Uh, 18 months. 18 months. That's a long time. All right. Oddly enough, we are uh, just a couple days away from a two-year mark. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So all right. So it's all fresh. Yeah. It, it, yeah. This, this one's fresh. Gotcha. And so you were saying then uh, that you were definitely in love with her. While you were in the 18-month relationship, did you believe that she was in love with you? It wavered back and forth. Uh, distancing was a huge thing. Um, but it wavered back and forth. Initially, the first handful of months, without a doubt, I, I, I didn't question that she wanted to be there. She wanted to be here. She wanted us to be together. Months after that, it kind of dissipated. All right. So for the first few months, there was no question in your brain that she was into you. You guys are, you know, just, it's going great. She's totally sure. in it. You're totally in it. And then you said several months later, whatever it was, three, four months, it was as if it seems she had one foot out now and one foot in. She would wave her back and forth. Is is that a rough, a roughly accurate sketch? Yeah, that's true. D okay. Distancing started probably around the, I guess I'd say five month mark, 
okay. shortly before Thanksgiving of that year. So uh, at the five month mark. Okay. And that I'm glad you said that because that was literally going to be my next question. When did it start? And you said five month mark right around Thanksgiving. So I'm just curious why then? Why not back in late September? Why not in early February? Why then? I, I have a specific answer for that. It's great. great. Uh, why, why questions always are a little scary, but the why to this one was um, in September, she was to be moving out of um, her quote unquote home or mm -hmm. where she resided um, and to stay with her mom just from some traumatic stuff that was going on there. She was moving from her home gotcha. to back to her mom's home. Oh, gosh. Um, and then the move and some questions I asked during the move, nothing kind of sort of panned out as truth. It was, it was deceiving. Some things were very deceiving. And what then, was the single biggest question that you asked that you were getting uh, – gut feeling of deception what was the single biggest question that really like your antenna went up and you know ping big ping on the song what was it <laughs> yeah it, it wasn't a question to her um i had rode the motorcycle up to her, her place uh right at the beginning of october shortly after she had moved i asked to go inside i wanted to meet the family and met the family and i met the sister and i just looked over at the sister and i said hey i i heard you did great things helping your sister move. So I just wanted to thank you for that. Very nice. Your sister's face was in shock. And I kind of looked out of the corner of my eye and I see my ex flagging her down. Flagging oh, like her uh, off. cut, you cut your throat. Yeah. Like, whoa, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop. Yeah. Like, no, 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 no. Don't, don't say anything. And that, that, that was kind of the oh, feeling I got. My. And, and then the sister looks at me and goes, yeah, that's, that's, uh, yeah, that's what family does. And wow. that was the, that was the kicker to me. Things just never really added up as it pertained to that particular move. And as I began to question things is when I started noticing quite a bit of distancing. At, at that mark, at that, from there on, or was it there before, but you didn't see it? It, it was there before, but not so prevalent. Um, not, not, not so walls up and kind of way back, leaning back. Interesting. And so in the five months since then, what's your theory? Man, I don't know. Uh, you know, the, the, the stories I heard was, um, she was in a quite a abusive relationship and that she was really trying to protect herself from a harmful relationship her ex was calling her mother's house repeatedly on the phone constantly. And she, and she was worried that he was going to start causing trouble at her mom's home. So she had to move out of her home back into her mom's home where he was causing trouble to protect the family, which is what I was told. Who do you think was in the house with her? I, I, I don't have an answer for that. I don't even want to speculate. Well, I'm going to speculate because We've told the story this far. So to me, why would she be hiding that she moved? Because she didn't move. Why would she be going back to the house when she said, no, I've got to go protect mom at the house? There's something at the fucking house. In all honesty, what it sounds like to me was potentially that the ex was living there in the house with her. Or they rotate it every two weeks. You get the house with the kid, and then I leave, and then you get the house with the kid or something. Yeah, it wasn't a shared custody ordeal. Um, I, to be honest, what, what, what it really seems like to me was that she never really lived, quote unquote, in the house that she was supposed to be living in by herself with her son. I think she resided on a permanent basis at her mom's house. And this other house belonged to somebody else. Yeah. And it's, it's safe to say if she's, if she's on the up and up and she doesn't give a good reason for why she's halfway in and doesn't acknowledge that she has changed, then clearly she's up to no good. 
there's something up foul there. And why would somebody lie unless it's something to do with cheating? In a situation such as this, it's I can't even think. And I've been counseling people for 30 years and I specialize in cheating. I, this just smells of shit, which means then also- Has, the fam- has a foul smell, agreed. Well, yeah, and cheating. Because what the hell else would it be? I can't think of anything logically. I did ask when she got to her mother's house, I said, if your abusive ex- knows that residence and currently doesn't know the residence that you're supposed to be staying in, why would you go back and put yourself in harm's way? And all right. And that makes total sense. So you said you wanted relief and you said you wanted the relief from the chaotic brain thoughts. And um, that's related to not knowing what's real, what's not real. And then you go on to uh, talk about how, you know, I guess keeping a priority wasn't high on one's list and neither was I. Broken promises, not supporting what I needed. Uh, what was I thinking when I fell head over heels? And um, falling head over heels, there's nothing wrong with that. And it's, it's you know, going back and blaming yourself for falling head over heels is like saying, what the fuck was I thinking? I should have known interest rates were going to go up when I had that $20,000 to invest five years ago. I should have known. You know, it's just like, that's just, and I understand the frustration and feeling foolish and all those things, but you can't really blame your past self. You did your best based on what you knew. What I'm getting at though, what I'm wondering is you're sort of saying in here, clearly I wasn't a priority and I didn't ask for nor need at the time, even after expressing those thoughts early on in the relationship. Uh, just another reminder of how my wants and needs were not respected then. So you're, you've got this repeated pattern inside what you wrote to us that she wasn't respecting you. She wasn't honoring your needs, that she wasn't giving. I wasn't a priority. And I guess my question is, and I'm not saying it to be a dick, but just a straight up question. Why did you keep allowing someone to not make you a priority? Why did you keep allowing someone to uh, not give you the support you need? What is it that was going on inside of you? What was the single biggest fear driving the behavior that caused you to allow someone to treat you as a low priority? And I don't just mean after the Thanksgiving event, but I mean even prior prior to that. What is it that goes on inside of you that you allow yourself to be treated as a lower priority or a non-priority? So with this person, it wasn't a fear. I wasn't fearful of myself. I wasn't fearful of losing the relationship. I'm not fearful of living alone. Um, none of those things are, are of, of, of value as it pertains to fear, right? Then I'm, why I'm did you really let her treat you this way? Um, there was something that was so innocent inside of this person that mm-hmm. um, I was able to see deep down the goodness of her uh-huh. and may have been 10%, 20%, whatever the percentage was. I really did see a really honest, good person way deep down in there. And it would only come to- While she simultaneously, while she was simultaneously denying your significance in the relationship. Okay, so then what we've got happening is you are getting two different messages from this person or you're getting one read on her and then you're getting these very different messages. So you still, so what you're saying then is even though I was basically being treated like a shit and that my wants and needs didn't matter, that 10 or 20% of good that I saw on her or whatever, percentage it you know it felt like and love tends to expand our focus on the good that 20 (laughs) or 10 or 20 percent was so weighted weighted heavier than all the ways you were being treated like shit right yeah yeah i think i wanted to bring that out like i wanted to see that it's like when you go when you go to apply for financing on a car there are certain questions on the financing paperwork that you fill out that are more important to that finance manager than, you know, less important things. There are certain questions that are weighted more heavily, such as your credit score, such as your income. That's going to be more important than, you know, what your trade-in is. Okay. Sure. And so what I'm wondering is why is that weighted so heavily that you, that you multiple times in multiple forms allowed her to mistreat you. Why? What's the, you're a truth guy. What's the logic behind that? I, I wanted to see her on the other side of all that pain and truly happy. Right. And you were together for 18 months. Yep. So in other words, I'm willing to endure all of this in the hope that she'll change. I guess that's the crude oil. 
Right. And so what you're saying then is I am willing to have someone treat me like shit, hoping maybe maybe it'll change. And what you're conceding in that then is I don't like. You wouldn't want someone to change if you liked that thing that you're wanting them to change. So you are conceding. There was some, some really big things about her that you did not like, such as the deception, such oh, yeah. as the boundaries and so forth. And you stayed in a relationship for 18 months being treated like shit. That's a fact. Right. Okay. Being treated like shit, 18 months. Let me ask you this question, just out of curiosity. Uh, if the day comes, when the day comes, I'm sure you seem like a really nice guy and intelligent, astute and so forth. When the Thank day comes that you're in a new relationship and you find yourself uh, falling in love, will you endure similar treatment? If you see something inside of a woman, and let's say it's 25 or 30%, not just 10 or 20%, real sweetness, real goodness, real kindness, generous spirit, but there's still this 70% where she's treating you like shit. Will you operate differently in the next relationship? Oh, for sure. Yeah, okay. absolutely. All right. We're going to come back with Walker right after this, but now let's take a quick break. Hi, this is KC. There's an update from the Badass Counseling Desk. The audiobook version of the book, There's a Hole in My Love Cup, is now available exclusively only at badasscounseling.com. You've heard Sven talk a lot about his book, There's a Hole in My Love Cup, and that's because Sven hears from his followers a lot about how much the book has helped them. If you're not sure how to handle the issues getting in the way of a better life, you're not alone, and you have a lot of choices. But thousands of readers will tell you that this is a great place to start, by yourself and at your own pace. So go to BadassCounseling.com and order There's a Hole in My Love Cup, and you'll have Sven right there with you as you forge your best future. It's totally badass. So get started today. This show provides soul counseling intended to entertain and inform and is not medical advice. Now, back to the badass. And we are back with Walker getting in down deep into this relationship that couldn't quite put a finger on, and we're trying to pin down what was really going on inside of him. And that's what I want to get at here, Walker, because where we started all of this is where you were, you were wanting relief from the chaotic brain thoughts of what's real with uh, and what was not real. In other words, in a way, you're trying to read inside of her what the hell was going on inside of her. Did she, you actually said, was she actually in love with me or was I a placeholder? And just out of curiosity, briefly, if you were to um, know the answer to that question, what would that give you? Why is it you want to know the answer to, was she in love with me or was I a space holder? I can 100% let go. Ah, so the reason you can't let go now is because part of you thinks she was really in love with you. Too many unknowns. Wait a minute, but answer my question. Is it, do you believe, is there a part of you that either believes or hopes that she's still in love with you and that she'll come back? Yeah, a piece for sure. That's that's honesty. All right, that is. That's great. And what percent is that piece? Probably a third. All right, 33 and a third percent. Um, <laughs> right? 33.33 repeating. Um, way, to, way to sort that out. <laughs> well, I tell you, I know one thing a month, and that was my one non interesting <laughs> Good fact. Work. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be here all week. Try the veal. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so we were talking about this notion of you're going to do it differently next time. And you said you're working on boundaries. So you're reflecting back on how it felt to be mistreated and where it led and so forth. What do you think the single biggest boundary was or is moving forward that you most need to implement? Uh, at the moment, I would say um, I, I, I watch things, um, take them in and chew on them mm -hmm. for too long. And within three days, they dissipate. I don't really bother them anymore, but there's bother with them anymore, but they're still in my head. Mm -hmm. So I, I go back and I reflect on those. Um, but, but in the moment I should address that feeling right then and there. Ah, so when, for lack of a better phrase, let's just call it a red flag. Something happens, she does something. Let's just say that incident with the sister and, you know, the cutting your, you cutting her off, the sister saying, hey, shut the fuck up, basically, and right. all that, that you should have, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying that when we got back out to the car, 
or whatever, I should have asked her, hey, what the hell was that? I saw what your sister said. In other words, sort of put her feet to the fire and honor your feelings and your uh, question marks that just came across, you know, and those pings that came across your sonar. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, actually, in that moment, I should have looked out of the corner of my eye and said, hey, why did you flag your sister off? Is is there is there some deception here? Did you move or did you not move? And then I could have walked out, got on the bike and left. What is the reason you didn't do that in that moment? Uh, respect for the family. Okay, but then that's why I brought up the car thing. I mean, it's a little uncomfortable to call someone out in front of a group of people. <laughs> True. So that's yeah. why I said, so you get back out to the car. Why didn't you bring it up in the car? Why didn't you bring it up a day later? When we went back outside, um, she decided that she was going to ride back to North Carolina with me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to have a hell trip back to North Carolina of like arguing and fighting. Why didn't you want a hell trip? I mean, I mean if I you were genuinely I, suspicious, which any person watching that scene in the movie would be yeah. so clear, why yeah. didn't you want to uh, bring it up and talk about it? I wanted that time with her. I mm-hmm. wanted good time with her. So we mm-hmm. went to a little haunted prison or whatever it was. And, and so the fear is that if I would have brought it up, it would have ruined the event. Yeah, it would have ruined see. the trip. Back. And just out of curiosity, looking backwards, do you wish you would have brought it up? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Why is that? Yeah, because I could have, I could have just cut tail right then. I, I could have just left and been, and been okay with it instead of enduring many more months of it. And other than the fact that you would change your mind, what do you make of that decision in that moment? It's a bad decision. Uh, it, like it, it should, it should have been brought up. Those, those. Every time those types of things happened, this is just one of them. But every time those types of things happened. Um, I should have brought them up. And as I began in the later months, that's when the distancing. And you didn't, and you didn't, and you didn't. Why didn't you? In that case, it would have been, you know, supposedly we're going to have this long fight or we discuss it for an hour and then the rest of the trip is gay and free. But that's one incident. There were, you said there were other incidents where you didn't call her out. So surely it's not a long drive all the other times. Why is it that you held your tongue all of those other times? Why is it that you didn't speak what you felt and act on your suspicions? What is the red thread running through all so of them? There, there would, there, there would be the, the piece to where I just didn't want to deal with the backlash of what may be coming. And what was it about the backlash? Why wouldn't you want to deal with the backlash? Why didn't you like that? What would you feel inside when there was backlash from her? She's denying it or she's playing all these fucking games to, you know, obfuscate. What was it about the back? Or she'd say, no, I didn't do anything. That's you. You're making that shit up, gaslighting you. What was it about the backlash that you didn't like such that every single time or most of the times you held your tongue when you knew you had reason to call her out? What was it about the backlash you hated? Uh, Sinking into myself and the verbal how hard she would come out. And what is it about sinking into yourself that you dislike so much? Sinking in with that particular pain of that moment and trying to sort it as it's going on. So I just have to take time to sort it. Sinking into the pain of that moment. So that is the reason you just said that you didn't uh, bring up these things. And it wasn't just once. We've established you did it multiple times. It's plenty. That this, that yeah, plenty. You, because you didn't want the backlash. And I said, what specifically about it? Or how did you feel? And you said the pain of that moment. So you didn't want pain. So this was a pain avoidance mechanism. Is that correct? Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right. Isn't that fear? By definition, fear is doing something to avoid pain. Fear is a feeling of impending pain or impending pain happening again. It's a good call. Thank you. Yeah. That's why I get paid the bid bucks. So it was fear. All right, we've established that. And I admire you for for saying that. I really do. Because, and I see this with a lot of clients, it's just hard to admit. Yeah, I was afraid, especially as guys, you know, and strong women too, and all sorts. I'm not trying to be gender exclusive here, but I'm just saying, you know, especially as guys, you know, no, no, I'm not afraid of anything. But here we see it. And this is where the healing happens, Walker is when I have the courage to concede what the fuck was really going on inside of me. The Buddhists, and I'm not Buddhist, but as you know, I like, I'll steal from anybody. The Buddhists talk about awareness. 
And it's not just aware of what's going on outside of me. Far more importantly, it's the awareness of what's going on inside of me. And so all the focus on her and did she love me and, and so forth in the five months since, nothing wrong with that. But it, what it does is it keeps your focus off the ball. You're doing sort of an internal bait and switch. Then I'm gonna look at her and what was she thinking? What was she feeling? Because I don't wanna have to look at what the fuck was really going on with me? Not the least of which is since then, it, she broke my heart. Obviously, you were in love. For Somebody sure. leaves you, it breaks your heart. Uh, quick question, have you, or what measure, or what percent uh, have you done actual grieving over her leaving you? I mean, like the fucking snot-filled tears and crying, and, and to what degree have you felt it and done any measure of grieving or journaling about it or sending her a letter you don't send? Or has it been mostly up in your head and I try not to think about it or try not to feel it or what have you? First two months, mm -hmm. nothing. Um, I was numb. Sure. I just didn't fucking care. I was like, man, it, it, it's over. It is what it is. Um, the last three months, there's plenty of drafts in my Gmail account that just sit there. So I've written a lot of letters that haven't been sent. And um, what about tears? I've been doing What it. about tears? What about the anxiety? What about you know depression? What about the actual feelings that you were blank on in the first two months? Has there been an actual expression of your feelings to yourself even? Mm -hmm. No, just 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 swallowing the anxiety and no no tears. And what do you make of that, Walker? It's kind of shitty because I'd I'd rather not be fucking ruminating. I'd rather be figuring it out and getting it out and letting it breathe and it's not it's not breathing right now. If, it's a, if a child is uh let's say a four year old child is is running uh across his yard and he stubs his toe, as we say, stub my toe on Marlis Moe, stubs his toe on a rock that's in the middle of the yard. I mean, hard. What does that child start to do? Um, he cries immediately. Exactly. He cries. That is the natural human response to pain, right? And, you know, you can have an anger response at the rock, but that's kind of dumb. And you know, <laughs> if dad had left the rock there on purpose, you know, that's Dad probably didn't do that because dad was probably mowing the lawn or mom was whatever. Okay, so when there's pain, he cries, right? In other words- That's fucked up. I don't even have any anger towards the rock. I'm not angry. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and you wouldn't necessarily have to, but I'm saying in your case, you have so much pain, sadness, and I guarantee anger at her and you're locking all that shit down. So how the fuck are you gonna heal if you don't let the fucking healings out when that is the natural human response to pain? In fact- this is the very shit you did, you're avoiding. All those times you didn't confront her, it's those fucking feelings that you admitted the pain of the moment. I don't want to feel the pain. And that's precisely why you're not healing now because you don't want to feel the pain. So you're trying to lock it all down. You're trying to avoid. You're trying to distract. You're perseverating in your head. The overthinking, the overthinking, trying to find answers. The answer is get the fucking pain out. Get the fucking rage out. So let me ask you a very simple question. Um, what is the single biggest thing in one sentence or less that you are most fucking pissed off at her for? The single biggest thing in one sentence or less? I, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not yes, mad. Yes, you are. I yes, you have, are. I, There's no I, I mean, way someone cheats on you, breaks your fucking heart. And listen, let me read back to you part of what you wrote in your letter. Keeping one's words wasn't high enough on the priority list. And Clearly, neither was I. That's anger. There is the tone of that. Those words do not get constructed that way without there being uh, anger in there. So what am I pissed about? What are you about? most pissed um, about? Or if you want to go the other direction, go with what are you most sad about? Because you say, um, you know, broken promises while not supporting when I need it broke me. Saying you were broken, that's a, that's a statement of sorrow of the heart. So you can take either one. What are you most at, mad, mad about, angry about, livid about, or what are you uh, most sad about? There's no courage without vulnerability, so I'll be vulnerable and go with the uh, pissed off one. I would Love say it. that if I chased being mad, my first thing would be as I opened up and told you where my life told her where my life was at the beginning and what I was looking for, what I wanted, and what I needed in a relationship. I'm, I would say I'm, I'm pissed that she took that information, fed me back what I wanted to hear, and gave me none of it. 
And that's powerful. Let me ask you. So with far less words and no commas. I can't say none of it, but yeah, whatever. Right, whatever. right. Obviously, you were getting something just enough to keep you in the loop, right? If it was total shit, you know, you, yeah. we'd hope you'd walk. Um, so if you were to sum all of that up in one pithy sentence, what the fuck is it that you're really most fucking pissed off at her over? What are we really talking about? What are you most angry, resentful, bitter fucking hatred over? Coming into my world and giving me or you're staying in your head. You're showing, thinking too much. You're thinking too much. What the fuck are yeah. you most just like you're talking to one of your buddies and you've now had about four beers and the the tongue is loose and you just say, you know what? That fucking finish that sentence. Or you know what? You know what she really did, Steve? She so finish the sentence. I want you to feel the actual fucking anger right now. I want you to get yeah, out of your she, fucking she head. What are you pissed in about? At the wrong fucking she time. Came, she came in at the you wrong know, time. No, that's not what you're angry about. And stay, that's the situation. And stayed, that's not her. And stayed knowing she was lying and deceiving. Like, What is the single biggest crime she committed against you? Is it that she broke up with you? Is it you fucking no, bitch? No, no, you no. just kept, you were one big fucking lying. Just lying. There it just, is. Just, yeah, yeah, just, just pathologically, just fucking lying, like constantly. She did fess up at one point and said she, she, she fessed up at one point and said that this was during the first breakup and said that, you know, I, I did these things because I was trying to impress you and stay in the relationship. And then we were apart for a couple months. And then she sent me another e an email that was like unbelievably everything I wanted to hear. And I went back into the relationship. So now I grieved back to your previous point. I did do the grieving during that first breakup. I, I rode to Michigan on my motorcycle. I sat on a dock and fucking wailed and fucking then cried. Then why did you not do it after the moaned. second one? I mean, it seems like you you took the natural response. You let yourself fucking wail at the end of a dock. Why have you not wailed or raged against the moon uh, in the second breakup? Seems illogical. Yeah. What is it? Speculate your answer. You can change your mind tomorrow or in five minutes. Speculate the answer. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't think. I. I I don't think I want to expend the energy. I've expended ah, enough there we energy. Go. On there we go. There we go. There we go. Okay. Now we've gotten somewhere. I have the feelings logically because you know it's done. Even more than the first breakup, you have those profound feelings. But I don't want to yeah. quote unquote expend the energy. In other words, you're acknowledging that the feelings are inside of you. You're sure. acknowledging that. No question. And you believe yes, no that the best path forward is to keep those packed down. Now. I would offer that that's not the real reason. It's part of it, sure. That's a logical response to a more visceral uh, feeling. And the visceral feeling is it's too fucking painful. The whole reason you never stood up to her, the whole reason you never had boundaries, too fucking scary. Too painful. I don't want to touch it. Now the reason you're stuck in this five-month-long infinite loop is because you don't want to touch the pain. You know how bad it felt. No, That's right. And so guess I what's going to happen? Yeah, guess what's going to happen? You're going to, you know, just sort of time will go on and eventually you'll be ready for a new fucking relationship. But, and you'll get into that one, but you'll have all this stored pain from your last one. And you'll be somewhat reactionary because all of that pain is going to be fucking triggered. And no doubt, I know with absolute certainty that if you are not defending yourself in this relationship, then there is past pain long before this that has caused you, oh, for that, sure. and good dating way back to childhood, there, that you don't believe that your feelings, your wants, your needs fucking matter. And so you silence them because you couldn't bear the thought of someone basically reinforcing that belief by blowing you off, by gaslighting, by saying, no, no, that's not what happened. In other words, you've experienced that pain so many times that I would rather hold my tongue then put it out there, what I really feel and what I really want, because if she rejects me or if she walks away or if she denies my truth, it would be a fate worse than death. It would bring up all those old fucking pains and memories. You're running from that fucking past. And the reason you don't want to bring up and allow up all the natural pain, a breakup when you're in love, there is zero chance anyone who is in love doesn't feel pain when the person walks away from them, zero chance. And if you say, and I don't mean you, but if a person says, no, I don't feel any pain, then you weren't really in love. Love is exposure. Love is vulnerability. Love is passion. And I'm sorry, you don't lose that and not be affected, but you don't want to touch it. And all I'm saying, Walker, is there's nothing wrong with that. 
I'm accustomed to abandonment and I believed that this one wouldn't. Yeah. And the truth is in reality, you're not accustomed to it because you're still a, a person accustomed to abandonment knows how to deal with abandonment and get all the pain out so that they're able to move yeah, forward healed. That is someone who, yeah, right. And so in your case, you flat out admitted. I'm not wailing in this case. I've got the pain in there. And so then let me ask you this. What is it if you were to allow up the very pain, all of that pain that's inside of you, all of the rage and all of the sadness, what is the single biggest thing about that that you fear the most? What do you most fear happening if you allow up all the fucking rage at her and all the sorrow of losing someone that you really were in love with? What's the biggest fear? That's a, so that's a solid question. Um, I want you to speculate. Use that big brain of yours and tell me what is it you're most afraid of if you welcome up all of that pain and all the rage. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to face my inner child. And what does that mean? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have to talk to that little kid and tell him that I'm sorry for putting him through so much shit. Well, yeah, there's that, but isn't it also true that you would actually have to feel all the pain of her leaving you? I mean, the inner child stuff is subsequent to the experience of the pain that you're welcoming up. And isn't it reasonable to assume that if I were to allow up all of the pain that this bitch caused me, that I it would break me, it would fucking destroy me, I would be overwhelmed. Is it reasonable to assume that you are once again, and there's nothing wrong with this, we've all lived this, at, we all still live it. Is it possible that the reason you don't wanna allow it up is because you're afraid of the pain, just as you have consistently acted inside this relationship that you had with her? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't want, I don't want exactly. to say that. And, and to your point, and it's a great point, but it is subsequent to the pain of the relationship is then potentially I would face or would have to face where the hell all of this shit came from, where these triggers of mine, where yes. this fear came from. And then that's even more pain. Exactly. That's yeah. at the root of all of this. In a way, the, the losing the love with her, I mean, you held on and you swallowed your fucking voice because you didn't want to lose her. I mean, let's be really fucking honest because you knew it would fucking break you. You use the word, she broke me. And it yes. broke me, right? Broken sure. means pain. And so you held on yeah. and you looked past reality. You squelched, you quieted, you swallowed the reality of what's going on because I just want us to get along. I want to have the happy times of a nice long drive down to North Carolina with you. I just want the happy. And the belief inside of that action is the belief that if I just get more happy, I won't feel the yucky. If I just get right. Agreed. Right. And what we discover is that the yuck is still there. And in... in uh, it doesn't go no. anywhere, and it doesn't go anywhere fast. Well, and there, unless you choose to express, to push it out, it can go very, very fast. There's an old saying that I love, and I have no idea who said it, but uh, transformation can be immediate if you go deep enough. And maybe not immediate today, but immediate in a few weeks. I have clients that turn their lives around from suicidal depression in a matter of a few months. But you've got to be willing to go into it. And sometimes we have to wade our feet, tip our toes in the water, get used to it, then go up to ankle high, and then go up to knee high, then waist high, you know, past your, you know, your dingling when you're getting in cold water in a cold lake in summertime. And it's like, woo, that was cold. And then you get up to yeah. chest level and then finally going under. That's what it takes to wade right. into this shit. And I'm telling you as a matter of absolute fact, Walker, absolute fact that if you let out all of this pain regarding her, just starting with that one, leaving childhood aside, if you just flush and wail and fucking rage, and in your letters, fucking rage, anything that's coming out of your mouth, you dirty whore, I'm so fucking sick of you, you fucking ruined me, I hate you so fucking much, don't hold back. When I work with couples, one of the things I have them do is use the strongest language possible in stating their grievances. Why? Because otherwise we're always holding back. We're editing. Well, she won't like this. Or we, boy, if I say that, he'll get really mad. Then no. the goal of writing these letters that you do not send is to unleash everything. Because if you want to be past someone, you have to get everything out. It's like scouring that fucking pan and all the stains from the burn from the oil are in there. It's scouring it. It's doing the hard work. You got to go into your fucking letters and in your journaling. And if you're not journaling, you need to be. You need to go into all of that pain and you need to unleash hell and sadness and the love. You ever been in a flurry of tears 
and everything is coming out all at once. You're angry, your sadness, you're you're crying one second, you're you're angry the next second, you know, you're just in love and you miss it, you know, that's any breakup. You're constantly oscillating, toggling, vacillating between, you know, all these different feelings all at once. That's what your experience of writing this letter should be. These letters. That's what your experience of your journaling should be. It's the flushing and you're feeling everything at once and your hands can't move fast enough to write it all out. That's when you know you're in the zone. When you get in like this hypnotic state of all these feelings just rushing out of you, that's where the healing is. So if you genuinely want the healing walker, you have to move out of the safety of your own head because that's not healing up there. There's nothing up there that's gonna heal you. All of those emotions, as with all of the emotions and feelings from your childhood, are all locked in that vault. And your salvation, your final fucking happiness, where you are your true and most authentic self, the fullest expression of you and where you're no longer running in fear of all that pain is when you flush it all out. And that's what I've created all my tools for, you know, the books and all the recommended reading lists of the books that I didn't even write, like the Sedona Method, like the Dark Side of the Light Chasers, like Living in the Light. All of these are tools to empty out that vault. And the more you do that, the more you will calm down. The more you do that, the effortlessly uh, able you'll be to hold boundaries and just say, no, I'm sorry, we need to talk about this. This doesn't feel good. I mean, can you, you can't even imagine doing that. It would be too fucking scary. No, right now, like I'm, I'm, I'm legitimately thinking, I'm like, man, I, I, for some reason I have this, this, this respect for this person that treated me like shit and I can't imagine even speaking badly of her it's really fucked well up no that's that's mentally that's, you know i get it that's very logical considering you came from a childhood where i fucking guarantee your voice was squelched your feelings didn't matter you weren't allowed to have feelings i don't know one word about your childhood but i've been doing this shit long enough to know that that you losing your voice didn't happen at whatever age you are now 30s or 40s whatever it is no that happened way back there you've been squelching your voice your entire fucking life so you were acting completely in character you know how to interact with someone who squelches your voice. You've been doing it your whole life. You know how to walk on eggshells. Yeah. You know how to swallow your Agreed. pain and your feelings. Right. And so then it makes Agreed. sense as in any sort of work, if you're trying to solve a problem, you have to go, you know, and create solutions. You have to go to the root of the problem all the way down to the root. Otherwise, anything you create is a half solution, such as just trying to get more and more happy and have more long drives that are happy as a way to avoid the pain. No, you're just anesthetizing yourself. You're distracting. You're avoiding what it is you're really afraid of. Well, Walker, let me ask you this. What is going on inside of you right now? What are you feeling? I don't want to know what you're thinking. I want to know what you're feeling right now, if you were to be totally honest. I just got a big old hole in my stomach. There it is. Like I, like, like I got this... I got some feel good. I got some fear. I got a hole in my stomach. I'm I'm thinking I I have some direction to head mm -hmm. now. Um, I'm just feeling. I don't know. What? I, I, Afraid. Blah blah yeah. and happy all yeah, at the, the same blah, time. Yeah, the blah and the blah feeling is when someone has been stuffing down their feelings for a long time. You can't feel anything now because there's so much in there. And you spend so much life energy keeping that shit all packed down. And your only safe space is up in your fucking head. And you know what? Yeah, and you don't have to start with the big shit of childhood. Start with yesterday when that guy cut you off for the parking spot at Costco. Start there. Some little fucking thing. And write about that. Journal about that. And then start with the next thing. Because I guarantee you've had other shit in the last day, in the last week, in the last month that has pissed you off. And the more you unload that, it's you're conveying the message to your soul, I'm beginning to be able to handle it. I can maybe handle a medium one. And then you'll have a medium memory or a medium thought. And then you'll journal on that one. You'll write a letter on that one that you don't send. And eventually, the more you keep working through it, the greater and greater stuff like wading into the water that you'll be able to handle. I strongly recommend, if you do not have a copy of my book, There's a Hole in My Love Cup, I strongly recommend you get it because I hold your hand through doing this process. I'll kick your fucking ass in the book, but it will take you into where you are most afraid to go. Any final thoughts or questions for me, Walker? Even if, even if no, it's telling me to just, go fuck myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, I don't have a go fuck yourself All in right. me, um, but I, I do appreciate the time and you guys putting this together. Um, you know, the, the letter that I wrote was, was where that came from. I don't know. Um, it was great. But it, it, yeah, it just, it, it came. Um, and, and another thing is, is for anybody that, that is, that is out there that is, that is having and suffering from any of this 
mental illness and I, I don't I don't want to put titles or anything on it but if if anybody's out there and and they know they're doing these things to other people just just don't just don't mm, right and and I would offer the other side of it if you're out there and someone is doing this to you learn from Walker here and start standing up for yourself or get the fuck out don't weigh that yeah, tiny like that. ounce that looks so good and oh when he's nice he's the very best granted 95 percent of the rest of the time he's a fucking dick or he ignores me or whatever it's not worth it get out now uh, i want to weigh in finally with rob and or kc either one of you guys have any thoughts on this or a question for walker breakups can uh, linger for months years uh, in my case uh one time decade and by facing your fears not being afraid to face them. That's the key. Mm. I, I didn't know mm. when I was uh, a lot younger. <laughs> I know now it's a little late, but uh, listen, I totally get it. Casey, anything to say? I guess for me, I was, I was kind of surprised how many times you referred to your autobiography, your little paragraph that you wrote to us as being really like an epiphany for you. And I would just challenge you to write more autobiographies. That that seems like a way that you personally um, find like self realization, mm. you know. And so I think it would be a great idea for you to just write a bunch of those. Like for me, for me, it's uh, it's nasty letters to people <laughs> that I never send, yeah. where I just say the most horrible things, things that I would never say, you know. Um, especially in, in breakup situations. Um, and that's it. I, I think you're really brave for coming on the show and, and I think you're doing great. And um, maybe you'll learn some, some things here and you'll learn from the book and, and you'll be fine. Thank you, guys. You betcha. Thanks so much for coming on our show, Walker. And to everyone who has been listening uh, to this really uh, passionate story of digging deep and finding the feeling what is it you're struggling with? What is it you don't want to touch? What are the pains and sadnesses and angers that you fear being overwhelmed by that would just hurt too much? What is it for you? And at what point, like Walker did today so, so courageously, what is it for you that you need to finally face? What's it going to take for you to have the courage to begin to really purge out all of that pain, the anger, the sadness, the rage, and so forth? And then as you begin that, do you have the courage to go back and find the origins and look at the real truths of what happened? Sending out love to everyone across the globe today, from Chicago to Paris and from Shizano, Italy, to British Columbia, New Zealand, and the wonderful folk down in Australia. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. On behalf of my producers, Rob the Rocket and KC, who it is always great to have you down here, KC. Thanks for coming down out of the booth. It was really great. My pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Badass Counseling Show. Have a kick-ass day. The Badass Counseling Show is strictly copyrighted. No copies may be made without the express written consent of the Badass Counseling Show, LLC. The Badass Counseling Show is produced by Karen Camparelli and Robert H. Friedman. Executive producer Sven Erlinson. Original music by two-time Emmy Award-winning composer Trevor Morris. Have a kick-ass day.